Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. I'm talking to Bo and Yang today uh, on the three questions. And um, Bo, Bowen, I don't know that I've ever met another Bowen. Have you not? I don't think so. I feel like you 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 come across so many different kinds of people every day in your life. Wow, that's that's. I guess that's an honor. Should I be honored? Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's just it's an unusual. <laughs> it's a it's a very nice name. It's a. Thank it you. feels like a, it feels like an old West star. You know, uh, Bowen. <laughs> you know, Bowen. Bowen. Um, it's a Celtic name. Um, apparently, and then it also yeah. works phonetically in Mandarin, Chinese, and so my parents just kind of chose something that kind of that worked on both. They seem like smarty pants, from what my parents bit I've been reading. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wondered because I know you you spent some of your childhood in Australia, and I wondered if that was like a a, a reason that they picked kind of a you know. More anglicized name. Yeah, it's 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 like a Commonwealthy name, isn't it? Um, I but I was only in Australia for six months. When oh, I was, okay. I was, bo- I was born there, but then we moved um, to Ontario, Canada for uh, a couple of years, and then we moved to Montreal. And so, but even there, e- even in Canada, I feel like Bowen was like a fairly more common name than it is in the U.S. So there's something about going south of the border. It also might be because you're young. You're, you know, you're younger mm-hmm. than, you know, how names come into fashion. And then yes. it might be one that just became fashionable because, sure. you know, I, I never knew any Jadens until. Until, <laughs> until 2001. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> until recent years. The Jadens were running amok in, in the fourth grade for me. There I bet. Jadens everywhere. No, my, my, in my children's classes, the same thing. Um, <laughs> so you were, uh, your folks are, your folks are from mainland china correct yes yes and i i love this thing that i saw that your dad lived in a grass hut or something like a is that true it's true um we we go and visit it anytime we're back in um inner mongolia which is a misnomer but the province is called inner mongolia but it's the province that's directly south of mongolia uh-huh but it's in china but um just really arid land um, uh, my grandparents on his side were, um, just like plant farmers mm-hmm. and he grew up, yeah, this like really small grass dirt hut that somehow is still there. It's in the middle of this giant open field. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a well that they made themselves. Um, and it really, it's, it's kind of crazy to see it. Um, I was going to say, isn't that my, is it mind blowing? Yeah. To be so, you know, to go from like, 
usually there's a few generations between the TV star <laughs> and and living in, in you know mud hut. Uh, I guess, I guess, I it's, but I feel like maybe this is just a differently scaled thing than like what what anyone has with like the way that they see some intergenerational like change or difference where they're like, oh my my grandparents lived like that. That's crazy. I mean, I yeah. feel like it's just I don't know. It, 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 it's it's just it's kind of the same a different version of that same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you were born in Australia. Did you? How long did you live there? We, that was about six months. Oh, about and, six months. And, and you then said we, that, yeah. And then we, yeah, but then we, but then I, I, I hadn't gone back uh, until like um, twenty seventeen, like a few, uh-huh. like, a, like three, four years ago, and it was really interesting to to, to go there. Where um, the signage, like the typeface on the signs, is the same as it is like on the highways, is like the exact same typeface <laughs> as as it is in the U.S. Like it's yeah. so you, it feels like you're kind of in this bizarro upside down version of America. Yeah. I but yeah, I think great. every the western world tends to kind of feel like that. Sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, and how long were you in Toronto or is that, is that where you grew up? I grew up I, we were just in King it was called Kingston, Ontario. We were there for like 2 years and then we moved, we moved to Montreal and then we were there until I was around uh 8 years old and then uh-huh. from 8 and then from Montreal we moved to Denver, Colorado, suburban Denver. Um, where my, my dad, um, my dad's company basically like re headquartered there mm-hmm. and just kind of, and then, and then just grew up in Colorado until, uh, college, which was in New York. He, he, your dad's like an engineer of some kind, correct? In mining, I think. Mining explosives. Yeah. Wow. Did you get to go and see things get blown up when you'd visit dad at work? I never, I never got to see things get blown up, but I still to this day proofread his, papers like he'll write about like he just needs like grammar checks mechanical checks and all that stuff and i yeah and i just tell him oh you know don't use like you know passive voice here or whatever (laughs) that's yeah um but no he it's he like i I would never be allowed to like go with him to like some quarry or anything but um but no he's been he's been doing that for a while now and i think i think uh I saw him uh, over the summer. I took, I took a, I, I rolled the dice and went to see my parents. And um, he was kind of saying how he doesn't plan on retiring, which I think is nice, but it also makes me sad that like, oh, this is when it's starting. Like this is, like this is, this is when people in the world will no longer retire at all ever. <laughs> and like, what's it gonna, what's what's gonna happen? What's what's it gonna look like when like people in my generation just don't retire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How old is your dad? He is 63, 63. Oh, okay. Yeah. And is he not retiring out of necessity or out of just... Out of just You know, boredom? busy beaverness. Busy beaverness, yeah. yeah. He just, um, he likes his work. He's good. He, he, like, he's he's good at it. I, I think he just is like, I am okay with working until I pass away. And I'm like, yeah. I think you should relax a little bit, but who knows? <laughs> Did you grow? Was did you grow up among a a, a Chinese community in in the different places yeah. that you lived? Yeah, yeah. And each in each community, well, specifically just Montreal and Denver. Um, Sundays were uh, Chinese school, which meant you know parents would drop you off at some like it would always be at some high school that was that sort of rented out 
the space to us, us as in the Chinese school sort of organ organization. Um, I didn't really understand how it worked, but uh, we would go there. And then that was kind of the only moment of community that my parents probably sort of felt. It was just like, because they didn't go to church. And so their only kind of communal space gathering place with other Chinese people um, would be on Sundays at these, at these Chinese school events. Was it just like one room and were you just studying Chinese culture? Were you studying language? It was mostly language. And then of course, like the curriculums were built around like, oh, you'll learn these vocabulary words while also learning about, um, you know, the mid-autumn festival. It was just like, it, yeah. it was just culture kind of mixed in with, with the vocab and with them. Did you, know. you, did you like it at the time? I hated it. I really yeah. hated it. Yeah. Um, it's such a hard language. Yeah. And, um, but now, I mean, now in my adult life, I am kind of watching it all sort of slip away from me in real time. And I sort of am mourning it in real time where I'm like, oh, I feel it. Like I'm, I'm, when I talk to my parents over the phone, I feel it sort of, I feel myself losing proficiency, I guess, but it's like, I can't communicate with my parents in the way that I used to, even as a kid, mm. it would be more of like the gap in understanding would be much smaller than it is now where it's like, even like trying to tell them about my day feels like such a struggle to me. Mm-hmm. And then they feel the need to switch to English. And then it's like, and then it just, every wire gets crossed. And so I don't know, I, I've lately, I've been really trying to get back to that and just, just, yeah. just refresh it. But yeah. Does it help to like watch? And it, is it Mandarin that you speak? It's Mandarin. Or? Yeah. Yeah. It's Mandarin. And there's plenty. And, and are, are you about to ask, like, does it help to like watch a TV show or something? Yeah. Yeah. Watch Mandarin TV shows and stuff. hundred percent, hundred percent. And there's plenty of options. Like Netflix has a bunch of like Taiwanese teen dramas that I would, that are right up my alley. Yeah, I just, yeah. I feel like, but I just like feel like Taiwanese I, Degrassi kind of thing. Taiwanese yeah. Degrassi. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah I've, exactly. <laughs> I've, well, I think I've watched every single Degrassi uh, ever. Like ever before I had children, I just, and I, I mean, into adulthood, I never knew it when I was a kid, but it's just, I just love it so much because it's so Canadian and yeah. the kids are like, like you get to see them when they go through that phase of like the boys, like just their nose and ears grow for like right. a year. And whereas in, if I've always felt like if it was, if Degrassi was American, everybody would have to be beautiful. You know, like even the mischief sure. would have to be beautiful, you know? You're right. You're right. Yeah. There's something very Canadian about watching teen actors grow their cartilage in. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, what kind of kid were you growing up? I mean, were you rambunctious? Were you a handful? Were you... I was I was a handful, but only at, only at school. Um, would always get you know, demerited, dinged, whatever, for just um, being chatty, which yeah. is, you know, and, and, and for me, it's uh, for, for being chatty or, or being like, whatever, because because I feel like back then, those were the code words for being either like a f- funny kid or a gay kid. And I just, I think I had, and somehow I happened to be both, (laughs) but moving from Canada where I spoke French in school and moving to the U S was this like little quick, like inflection point of like figuring out, Oh, how am I going to adapt to this? And how am I going to like 
ingratiate myself uh, to these to these new kids. Um, it was me just having to like be funny in mm-hmm. a way that was just very like, yeah, hammy. And so, um, kind of very quickly knew that I had to develop the reputation of being like class clowny, which is so mortifying to think about now. But that's kind of like the, it was it was this survival tactic. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it, you know. Coming into a new space like that, yeah, I think that's a common thing. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. talk about, you know, humor as a as a way to head off bullying, you know. Right. I don't think I don't know if I don't know how much it headed it off, but yeah, it like <laughs> it was but I mean it was there and like and then it it, it got people on my corner in my corner at least in some yeah. way. But then but then it really was, and I mean, this is such a graceless transition, but it, it it immediately was this thing, even in the fourth grade, where people would be like, do you watch this show called SNL? Or do you watch this show called Mad TV? And I was like, no, but I've but I've been watching The Simpsons since I was in Canada. Like, it, it just, it all sort of like, all of it congealed around the same time, at like, like a pretty young age, I would say. Because like, yeah. no one was really, I didn't have parents who like showed me what these things were. I, I I kind of had to seek it out myself where I was like, okay, well, I guess after school, I'm going to go home and watch, um, you know, the five o'clock block syndication block, which was, um, Simpson Seinfeld, Drew Carey show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so those were my three and kind of like brought me up to speed with, uh, in terms of like what American culture, humor, discourse even was like it Mm -hmm. just i kind of like got my education through those things well um and are you a good student at this time too still i i really i i i don't think i was i don't think i was because i think i did the sort of drag performance of being a good student pretty well but in terms Uh of it actually reflecting (laughs) the most boring drag in the world yes yes scholarly (laughs) drag um scholastic drag i was not great grade wise and then that became this like yeah sticking point thing in our family that i I, yeah yeah, because your mom's a doctor right my mom was, yeah, she was an OBGYN um, in China and then couldn't practice when um, she moved, but uh, um, she was still working in medicine. And it was, it was, we were just a very like analytical family. My parents are not particularly funny, um, culturally, like Western culturally averse. Like, I mean, they, like, you know, did not really care for any like, <laughs> like movies or any like pop culture points or anything like touch like like touchstones i was so so it was like me and my sister sort of my older sister sort of finding all of these things on our own but um but yes i mean grades were very important in our house and yeah that would that for some reason they put they put the grades at odds with me wanting to perform uh as a kid and into high school uh wanting to like do improv and be in the musical and all that stuff yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that your high school had an improv team. We did. That's we did. like that from my perspective of starting improv and like, well, what would it have been about 1989? Uh-huh. That's crazy that, they, sure. that he, people even knew what the hell it was. And I was in Chicago, which uh-huh. is, you know, improv central. Yeah. And you still had to say when people, I would, you know, just when I had started and you talk to people in Chicago and say, you know, I'm taking improv classes. What's that? 
uh-huh, stand uh-huh, up. Uh-huh, like, no, no, uh-huh. it's like Second City. Oh, I've never, you know, I know it's there, but I've never been, you know, that right, kind of thing. Right, right. I lucked out in early on by just having that there. I, I mean, to be sure, it was it was very like it was short form, it was, and none of it was like none of it was like IO or second, and none of it was like Del Close style improv. Right, it, was just it wasn't like, scene work and delving no. into the truth that was making people laugh. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's still like I don't know, like set some foundation because the the the, the sponsor of the group, the the coach of the group was um, this guy who was the um, co-director at this theater downtown. And so he like also was this person who like shepherded a lot of like comedy stuff into my life where he was like, um, you should watch this and this and this. And like, here are all these Christopher Guest movies. These um, just, I, kind of, I just kind of like got downloaded at that age. And I feel yeah. like if I didn't have those people, I don't really know how I would have like diverged from this path. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was a big thing. And in high school was truly just me staying up. And I, I, I know this sounds so like whatever. Um, but I, it was, it was staying, it was staying up. It was watching, it was watching late night. It was watching Conan. It was watching, um, SNL on Saturdays, but it was like foregoing social things to just watch like, comedy I, I would sit through leno and be like yeah whatever this guy and then i would, it would and then conan would come on and I'd be like yes um and then yeah and then like there was like i thought and then i thought i had this full circle moment when um in college we did an improv festival i did, did college and improv or <laughs> did improv in college we we flew to la um we got tickets to go see a taping of of conan and then um got to talk to him backstage i, I think and, and got to talk to you backstage and it was just you probably don't remember this, but it was just me and my college group just asking Conan about like the monorail episode. It was just like it's just it was us yeah, little yeah. dweeby kids just like nerding out over that kind of background in comedy that we all shared. That yeah. We like, loved Conan so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's um well that makes one of us. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I was like, if this is like the peak for me, comedy wise, just to be able to like ask. Conan, like, what about the music man he loved so much to like, I was like, I was like, yeah, this is yeah. like all I need to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, just really was that, I don't know if I was precocious in high school, but I just was very granular in my fandom, my admiration for like that school of comedy. Was that deep interest and that sort of consuming interest, was it just sort of instinctual or uh, as you're doing it, are you thinking like, I'm going to do something with all this time that I'm spending absorbing all this information. It was all, it was just instinctual. I never, I never like called a target or I never like charted any sort of plan or course with it. I was just like, I'm, I'm just someone who happens to like comedy and, and I just kept being told that like, it would never translate to like a career and that it would be so difficult. And, um, like mostly like mostly from but not exclusively my parents but like mostly my parents would just be like you should go with something that has some degree of certainty to it which makes total sense to me still even now I'm just like I don't begrudge them of them saying that to me um but yeah it was just this thing where I was like well you know what I'm just going to like be someone who watches from the sidelines and and thinks oh I see what they're doing there or you know this person yeah. is coming from that place and um so yeah I I, I never really placed myself there but i thought 
I'll do this in college. Like I'd love to do improv in college and like maybe move to New York where UCB is and, and like be in that little circle. But, um, but yeah. And you did, right? You went to NYU. Uh-huh. I went to NYU. Um, but I didn't take UCB classes until like after I graduated just because I was very comfortable in my bubble of doing improv exclusively with like 19 year olds. And I was like, I was like, there was something unappealing to me about doing like taking a class with like, people Grown from all ups. different walks of like <laughs> no it was just like i was just like i might as well like enjoy this last insular yeah moment before Safety, i have yeah i know which I, I don't know if that's like wimpish or gross or soft-handed not at all not okay. at all I mean, no because especially because and i don't know if, if you had this instinctually but like showbiz is rough i mean mm-hmm. and showbiz is really you know yeah. you're you're getting in front of people and inviting them to judge you. So why yes, not yes, put that yes. off as long as you can, you know? Right, right, right. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Were if if I may ask about were you out at this time or I was not because I was out to people in high school and then my senior year in the spring, um, my mom found this you know chat window that was a little a little too steamy and then mm-hmm. um got. And then, and then they sort of, in their solutions-oriented way of thinking, were like, "Well, we have to. This is a problem to us. We have to solve this problem." And so, there's this therapist in Colorado Springs. We're going to drive you down um, once a week, so you talk to him. Is is a conversion therapist and uh, did that, but the <laughs> the ultimatum was. Um, you will get to go to NYU where your sister is going now, where she can sort of chaperone or just like, kind of like keep this watchful eye on you. Um, But in order to do that, you have to go to see this therapist. But then they also didn't realize that NYU is just this haven for (laughs) gay kids. Um, And so I was like, (laughs) fine, fine. And then knew, I mean, knew the whole time it was, it was eight weeks uh, of sessions with this, with this person. And I just knew the whole time that it was, quackery i mean did you find it hurtful or was it just like talking to an idiot kind of it was talking to an idiot Well, because the first like four sessions were just like pretty standard talk therapy and i was like oh there's nothing 
there's there, there there's there's nothing like specifically indoctrinating or whatever about this just yet. And then in the second half, that's when things started to like get like drill into like why you're attracted to people of the same sex and why that's not natural. Um, but then but then when I moved to college, when, when I moved to New York for college, my sister had basically had like was put in this terrible spot where she had to like kind of side with my parents and report back to them. Um, and so I kind of had to be in the closet around my sister um, while also kind of trying out the idea, just, 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 just me being like, well, you know, if I'm going to reinvent myself in college anyway, if, if that's what anybody, everybody does in college, yeah. like, why not just see what this is like? And then spent the first year and a half just telling people I was straight, which was, which is just laughable now. But then as soon as my sister graduated at semester, my sophomore year, she left and I immediately came up to everybody. Um, but yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Just like all of a sudden there's confetti cannons going off <laughs> the minute she's gone. Yep, yep, yeah. And that yep. is, uh, that's like not great that, I mean, conversion therapy aside, that's a, that's a no brainer about being not great, but to get your sister involved is not no, great. Yeah, for sure. Know? For sure. Because if anything, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not telling anything you don't know. It would have been nice to have her as an ally, you know? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, but I, I, I feel like, I mean, she's, she's the older of two. There is this like duty bound thing you have to like hit. And especially when it's like coming from your parents. And I mean, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's like, is that a particularly Chinese thing? Do you think? I'm sh- yeah, probably, but I can't really tell. I, I couldn't tell you why, and so I I kind of feel like maybe this is a thing that would that would happen to any family, honestly. Yeah. But what but what what is sort of specifically Chinese about this whole situation is that um, my parents would kind of very like softly remind us, um, we've sacrificed so much. We've yeah. sacrificed so much for you to be here, and they're and they're completely correct. Um, to move to a country where they don't speak the language and yeah. all that stuff. Um, but then in my case, as the younger of two, um, every now, like once every few years, my mother would sort of bring up the fact that um, in a very like gentle way, it was not like to like create any sort of guilt or anything, but she was like, you know, if you, if we hadn't have moved from China, like you wouldn't have been born with like the one child only policy. Um, so like, this is and so like existentially that like really screwed with me where I was That's like, oh, pretty God, heavy, like, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um but again, she never she never brought that up in a way in a way to like bear down on anything with me. It was just me being like, Oh God, like I I guess I have to like honor this like crazy thing that they did, um, in order to like have me even like exist. Uh yeah. but yeah. Well do yeah. they feel do they feel now that you have? Because I mean, Jesus Christ. You have, yeah. I, I, they, they, yes. Now, now it's great. Now it's really. I, I really couldn't. I wouldn't really change a thing about the way it's like sequenced out up to this point. I mean, like there was a lot of like pain, obviously, but I feel like that's. Um, I was gonna say that's every family, maybe not, but it's. It, I, it feels like we are. The 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 more time goes by the more i realize that like 
there are certain things that are not that exceptional about my family. I feel, I feel like they're the dynamics are like very, 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 very common. Yeah. You stayed. Did you stay in New York after you after you graduated? Uh, yeah, I've been here. This is my thirteenth year here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've we obviously like since. it. I do. I do. But I. But now there's this thing happening. I mean, like in at least in comedy, I feel there is always some exodus to L.A. from New York yeah. to L.A. It's never the other way around. And I, I'm I've read I've reached the part in my whatever like little cohort of people where um, everyone's everyone's like basically and all my friends are in, are in Los Angeles now which is yeah. great and they're they're happy but it's basically out of like my little contingent of people it's just me and um my friend who I've also known since college who also works at SNL she's a writer there um Sudi Green it's just the two of us and she's about to move to LA I think in 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 the near future so I'm like I'm, I might be the only guy left yeah um which is fine which is great and like I have a re- I have a great reason to stay mm-hmm. Um, but I do like it. To answer your question, I, I like it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I mean, have you been? Is this your first season? Is this your first season as, or is this your this second season? This is my season? second season as my, as a cast member, and um, thir- I was I was uh, I was a writer for one season before. Oh, I got right. Moved. Uh-huh. But have you done that summer in LA kind of thing where you come out here and? I haven't. I mean, I d- I did it. I mean, again. I did it during <laughs> the the pandemic summer where yeah. um, me and Sudi were like, you know what, let's just, we're going to be very safe about this, but um, let's just do, let's just go to LA and like get a house there for like a couple months. And we ended up just staying there for one. So that's the, that's the longest time I've ever sort of spent away from New York. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's just away from New York. Not even the longest time I've spent in a particular place, but away from New York, which is kind of scary to me but um what, well during the pandemic what's there to do i mean yeah you right, can't really exactly. have meetings can you or no or isn't no. everything virtual everything's virtual um i tried to write it didn't really i didn't really get too far i mean i i, I mean I, I allowed myself this past summer to not be beholden to any like threshold of work or, or, or anything you know yeah 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 but, i think um, that's I, good yeah that's good because well, too, it's. I think with SNL too, it. Uh, you know, with the exception of like Eddie Murphy or something, it takes a while. It oh takes yeah, a, you know, and it takes a yeah. while, and it's so strange because there's like so many shows, so many episodes of SNL where it only occurs to me afterwards, like, oh, I only saw Melissa Villasenor once in that sure, episode. Sure, you know, sure. I mean, there's just. Uh-huh. You know, the way that it all, the cards get kind of dealt, mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. go through a few weeks of not having totally. much to do. Oh, I've had those stretches and I yeah. anticipate having those stretches going forward. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a job where it only gets clear in hindsight, which I, I which might be true for any job, but for me, it's like, but this is just the way that like people like build out legacies there. I think is that like, when you think of a cast member that you love, maybe with the exception of Eddie Murphy, um, you go, you're only really thinking of the highlight reels. You're not thinking about, oh, they were dead. Like that was a sketch where they didn't really deliver or whatever. You know, like I, 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 don't, I don't think we think of like SNL cast members in those terms, but, but I think any cast member will tell you, I mean, not that I've like surveyed them, but like I think most cast members will tell you that like, oh yeah, like there are 
dark, desolate times when you feel like you're not part of the thing. Um, but I was even talking to like um, Kristen Wiig when she hosted uh, over Christmas where she was like, and she was very encouraging and she was like, you know, you should just appreciate this job. Even in the bad times, it's the, you should just remember that it's the funnest job in the world because when you're gone, you'll miss it. And I was like, Oh my God, like to have her say it is like one thing because it's her, but then to have her, to have her also acknowledge that there are bad, hard times, which means that she's had those times is like kind of crazy to me because I'm like, yeah, I thought, I thought you had like as desirable and ideal of a, tenure here as anyone would would want um but even she probably experienced those moments of like god i i can't hack it or whatever yeah yeah well it i mean i don't know how it is now but i i i mean a yes it is a you're working in rockefeller center which i mean Mm -hmm. i still can't believe that i got to work for seven years in rockefeller center and i had an (laughs) office but working in that building and also too I mean, because I used to, on Thursdays, when there would be, the musical guest would rehearse, mm-hmm. we would just go down the stairwell, one one floor, and then pop in the back door of the stage, and then stand and watch, mm. fill in the blank, watch right, right. Prince, you know, right. like oh from 20 yeah. feet away with 30 other people. and 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 just that feeling of, you know, it's like, Wow, You're here. this You're is in it. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm really, I am in TV now, and it's still, you know, is thrilling. It's still like can't kind of believe it. That's that's great because I'm yeah. like, well, I I'm like, will I will this ever go away? I mean, I'm like, will this feeling? Will I ever be so like, I don't know, numb to that reality? Because I, I guess because I still wake up and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe, yeah, I can't believe this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're not. If that goes away, that means you're an asshole. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> maybe I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time; I could become uh-huh. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you started. You kind of the you first crossed my radar by doing lip sync videos. Oh, sure, uh huh. On on the internet, and yeah, what that was so. What 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 spurred that on? We just like just fucking around and in your apartment and basically, yeah. I mean, there was um there was a live show that happens every year in Brooklyn called the Inner Beauty Pageant, and it's run by this fantastic comedian Joe Firestone. Um, and you needed there was like a, you had to design your own swimsuit, and then you also had to come up with a talent. It's like a yeah. traditional beauty pageant structure, and so um I couldn't figure anything out and so i was like you know what i'll lip sync to this like clip of tyra banks yelling at this poor girl oh right we were rooting for you we're all rooting for you and i did that at the show was kind of like truly shocked at like people like because i was like this is such a gimmicky like party tricky thing but i okay people like it and then I, i remember just being sick one day i was home bored fucking around with my camera and just did it and posted it to twitter and I was like, oh, okay, people, oh, people, this is that same, like, weirdly scaled response where I'm like, oh, people like this more than I thought they would. Yeah. Which I know sounds, like, really, whatever. Um, yeah. Dumb, but I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And then I just kind of, like, kept it going. And then after a certain point, I was like, you know what? There's something about this. There's something about this that I thought, I started to get very insecure about it because I was like, 
it was for a while I like wasn't really like writing well comedy wise and I was like you know I should maybe rest this thing because it's not generative in the sense of like it's an idea coming from my head and I'm yeah. like executing it on the page the stage whatever so I was like I, I should like maybe just phase this out because it feels like it's contingent on what another person says or does which I know sounds again very abstract um but that's when I was like, you know, I'll, I'll let me just like rest this. And so I haven't really done it since, but now, uh, when you got the job writing on SNL, mm-hmm. um, was that, did you come to their attention because of those videos? I don't think it was because of those videos. I, I, I went the pretty traditional route of submitting the tape, yeah. um, with my characters fully thinking they would never, they would never hire me. I am like fully, I do not fit into that. I, like I don't have there there is no lane for me there. Yeah. Um do you think that's which is not because because you're Asian? Because it was that it was my sort of sensibility probably being a little too like not family friendly, not family friendly but like truly like not compatible with yes, what they do there. Um do you mean gayer? Gayer and also just like which is not the same thing, but also probably just like, I don't know, looter and just like yeah. just dirtier yeah. at the time. I remember just being very into By the time I got to college, I like s- discovered, she'd already been very established at the time, but I like discovered Sarah Silverman and it was just yeah. like, oh my God, like that's like, that's sort of like her wheelhouse and is like, let me try that on for size. And, yeah. um, and she's a genius at it too. Like that was kind of like the, the little neighborhood I was in yeah. comedically at the time when I first auditioned, but I was like, all right, well, let me put together this tape. I did like this, like my soul, inst- my soul cycle instructor guy. I did yeah. like, um, I did a Michiko Kakutani impression. She like writes reviews for the New York times. I know she is, yeah. Okay, great. Um, we're, we're just, mutuals was- on Twitter. <laughs> oh, you Michiko. are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You and Michiko, is, she, is her avatar still that little egg or something? I think uh, she like has, I can't anyway. remember. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's a big one. That's, that's a good follow. I know. Um, I'm like, that was, I'm impressed. Yeah, I still with yourself. Impressed. Yeah. Cause she's smart. Oh my God. Smart. Still, when smarty people, when smart people follow me, I'm like, Oh, well, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, but I just, I just loved that. She like, no one, like she's only had her picture taken like, you know, twice in her life and yeah. no one knows what she sounds like. And so I was like, great, this is perfect for me to do an impression of her, quote unquote, right, right. Where I, I get to just make it whatever I want. Has that been on the show? Cause I don't know that I've ever. It has, it has not, it has not been on the show. I don't think there's a place for it, but they could, I mean, you know, that, that whatever the impression is could be anybody, you know, I mean, if it, you know oh, what sure. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It could be, it could be. I just feel like it was, Maybe it was a little mean spirited because I was in a scarf and a wig, um, but like, but the voice was butch like this, and it's Michiko Kakutani, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go punch Juno Diaz in the face. It was like that. That was the impression. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if that there's, I don't know that there's a place for it. But yeah. I, but I, but but this, but like I like I like did this because I was truly like I was treating the tape as a bit. I was like, there's no way, yeah, this is ever gonna like move past the first stage gate or whatever. And so, but I mean, I thank goodness for it because I, I think I, it was a, a very true to me tape. And so it made it to them. And then, and then I got the showcase and then I got the screen test. And um, so it happened 
through that route and then kept coming back in and kept being asked to do new stuff. And then um, they put me on hold for a year, came back the next year, did it again. Then they were like, hmm, not cast, but maybe writer. I was like, so happy to do it. Um, and then, yeah, and then just kind of started started there. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Was the the year that you got hired as a writer, was that the first time that you had made your complete living in show business? Yeah, it was. Um, I had just left my day job as um, just doing like graphic marketing design like a few months before. Because at that point I had already done the audition twice and I already, I didn't, but then I kept my day job for a year. Yeah. But like at that, but I spent that whole year being like, well, if I got to that, if I, if I got that far in the SNL audition process, hopefully that means I can strike out on my own and not have to worry about this and just see. Yeah. Um, but then it timed out very, just very well where I, left my job, and then three months later got hired to do SNL. How did your folks feel about that? When you, you know, like when you could say, look at me, I'm making a living mm-hmm. doing this stuff. I think they were very happy. I, But it also, like, they hit a wall with understanding, like, what it really meant. I was going to say, they might not understand, yeah. Yeah, because well, because the first moment of, like, my parents kind of, be expressing any kind of relief was when um, I did this really quick bit with my, um, my best friend, um, Matt Rogers. And we did this really quick bit on, on Fallon. Um, and then the next day my mom went into work and all of her coworkers were like, we saw Bowen on TV last night. And that was when she was like, Oh, like it took like some mirroring from other people to be like, your son is doing so well for her to be like, I guess my son is doing okay. Yeah. Um, and that was the same summer as that last um, round of SNL auditions. And so that leading into getting hired was like hopefully clarifying for them where they were like, oh, okay, he'll be okay. But then I, I got I got hired for SNL. My dad texts me. He goes, does this mean you're moving to LA? Like, where does the show take, like, where does the show work out of? And I was like, <laughs> it's New York. And, um, but yeah, but ever since, I mean, since then they've come to the show. Yeah. Um, a couple Do times. they watch weekly? They watch weekly. Um, my dad will send me very, I'll read one now. He'll send very <laughs> adorably worded texts. Um, he goes, yesterday he texted me. Um, in the show, you were confident, firm, and competent. And I said, th- I said, thank you, dad. Um, it was very sweet. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like a divorce it's, it's, attorney it's, it's, or something. It's a divorce attorney. Um, it's, it's a, a roofer. Poem. It's a roofer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice like review on, I don't know, next door or like some yeah. like 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when you started SNL, I mean, do you feel? Uh, I mean, I you know I feel like I went to the same high school, but they were a different class or something. Sure, you know? sure. And so, and I have a, so many friends that have worked there and stuff. And over the years, it has been kind of, and not you know, of course, it, it there were years when it was very ho- a hostile place for women to work. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think at times it's been a hostile place for people of color to work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, with varying degrees. Um, something that has always struck me about the way that that show is run. And that was and I, you know, and that the the, the opinion I formed was based on the, the show that I was working on, you know, yes. on, on late night, which is a, it's a different thing. You know, it's a different kind of thing. Um. Because, you know, whereas you guys come up with X amount of sketches for a week and then you have to winnow them down, mm-hmm. ours are more like we got a whole week that we sprinkle them out uh, out through. So we, you know, there's just kind of, we're all sitting in a room thinking of sketches, but they're just, the the structure of ours tends to lend itself to a more all for one, one for all kind right. of of atmosphere whereas snl especially i know people that were times where it felt very insular and sure. that it was different little camps uh-huh. working against each other and and had that did you have any idea of that like it, it, just in terms of writing like we're over yeah. here writing this and there's a competition among writing pods right because you want to get your stuff on that's no i mean i i, I wasn't aware of it um going in but I mean, the way you just described it is 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 perfect because you very quickly learn like the Tuesday night feeling of watching like doors get closed and like hearing people like giggle inside like is just this like chilling thing that like everyone like it's it's this just it's just a, it's like a rite of passage for anyone who starts working there whether you're a writer or a cast member um, where you realize oh okay I better start I don't know jockeying for some involvement like just as just, I, I better start like f- playing the social game of like knowing which writers i work well with and yeah those like the pod structure is this like thing that like is is part of the the way that things are structured there but no one tells you that yeah um so yeah i mean it's it's still taking a lot of getting used to i feel like i, I mean just i do have to remind myself oh you're only in your second year as yeah. a cast member. And so this is still, you're still on like the learning curve in the upswing or, you know, like on like, you're still, you haven't crested the hill yet. Yeah. Um, But then like every now and then I'll talk to people who work on Seth, like, you know, Amber Ruffin or like Jenny Hagel and um, Karen Chi. And, and I'm just like, Oh, like, I feel like they also say that it's, it's more of an um, all for one kind of thing or no one for all. Is that what you're saying? All for one, one for all. That's yeah, sure, sure, sure. Three Musketeers. Um, three Musketeers. Yeah. I, I'm i like, oh, I I envy that, but I also don't think I could do it because I've been so conditioned to work in this way Yeah. Um, at SNL. I honestly, I mean, like you say, I I could sit there on the Conan show and and say, mm, the way that the, the way the, the sort of procedural structure of the creative process at SNL seems to be you know, seems at, at times working against itself. Sure. But 
if I were in charge of putting on a show that had to be written in a week, I don't know how the fuck else I would do it. Right. Because you can't have everybody gang write every sketch. No, no. It would, you, you, it would take three weeks. Yeah. 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 Um, you you did a couple weeks ago, or was it a couple weeks ago that you did the Annie Leibovitz? Oh, uh yeah. Fran Leibovitz. Yeah. 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 Or Fran Leibovitz. Um, and, and it seemed to pop. Like, did you notice that kind of being a, I, d- uh, I, but I didn't notice that it popped until I was talking to Sudi. So I covered that with Sudi Green, Anna Dresden, and at least between me and Sudi, like we, 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 we talked about it two nights ago where we didn't realize what it was, not what it was, but we didn't realize like the way that it played until like two to three days after the fact. Yeah. Because you, you I mean, you just really have no presence or any mindful like awareness of like what's happening in the moment there. Right. And I think that's, I don't and know. And on that's... Sunday you're too tired to check probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, because, on, because honestly the lead up to that um, update piece was so stressful for me because I was like, I, I, we it cannot see because the, the, the note from Lauren was, we can't make it too mean. And I was like, of course, of course, of course. And in the first draft, we even were very passionate. I don't know. You can't, you can't make it too mean because I have to talk to her on a regular well, I was, basis. Well, it was, it was very clear to me. I was like, okay, Lauren, I get it. She's your friend. Um, but, but, I mean, but, but, but like it was, but it was also about like me, like wanting to like honor her because she, I mean, when I, I mean, me moving to New York coincided with me, like finding out who she was and reading her books. Yeah. Uh, and then watching this, the first Scorsese, Scorsese documentary that came out um, in like 2010, I think. And mm-hmm. I just, I love her. Yeah. Which well, I, I don't I know. Mean, I don't know why I bring it up. I just, I just, I, I guess it's just like, you are always under an intense amount of pressure, even though the end result is you um, appearing to have fun. Have you, but have you derived pleasure from knowing that it popped? Yes, I have. But yeah. it, but what's remarkable to me is that I did not know that it popped until way after the fact. Yeah. And and that's like the weird disconnect is not knowing how something does until like 48 hours after it happens. That's, you know, getting something to pop like that is part of the process of Yeah. Of, you know, graduating the high school of SNL, you know, you have to make those indelible because there's so many people that have gone through there who are amazingly talented people who just they never get that thing that really pops. They're on for three seasons. They come and go and people kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. And, you know, and then you see him in movies and stuff and TV shows. But right. right. I mean, that is the way. Mm-hmm. Is that the first thing you felt like that really kind of popped like that from SNL? The first thing, the first thing I felt that really popped was, I'm I'm very very lucky that it came to term. Was uh, my second show as a cast member there? Um, we wrote this other update character who is like the minister of trade for China, um, and that felt like a that like I remember doing that and being like, oh wow, I like really had fun doing that, and I I think people liked it, and then like it seemed like the response again, like two days later yeah. um, was very positive. And I thought, wow, like I am really glad that I just like put, I don't know, planted that root early on 
Um, because then it's, I, I hope, I think what it did was it gave me the confidence to just like step out and, or just at least like do different things because in some ways it was the expected thing of me to do, which was to play an Asian person. Um, and the, the, what, the reason why the Fran thing is kind of special to me is because, um, (laughs) is because I, I feel like, I feel like people didn't want to kill me for portraying a Jewish lesbian. And I was like, the fact that like people aren't upset about this um, is, is like a win for me, which is not like, which is not, it's progress too. Oh, sure, sure, sure. No, really that, you know, that an Asian man can play a Jewish lesbian Uh on SNL and it not be where everyone's like, look at that Asian man playing a Jewish lesbian. It's just, well, that was funny, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and that's not to say that, like, the the measure of success for me is to be like, did I piss anyone off? But it's just that <laughs> um, it was just it was just a nice thing to be like, oh, OK, like now I like n- now I get to like, I don't know, sort of add texture to like other stuff that I try to do. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to like I'm sure as soon as I get off this call, like I'm going to for the next two seasons, have no good ideas. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, here, you you spoke about it, the, uh, uh, the future. We'll move on to that because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, is there some plan? Is there some sort of bow and yang, uh, you know, uh, plan for domination of, of comedy and show business? I, 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 this is like the, the honest answer is there, there isn't. Yeah. And I think that's okay. There's, oh, the, absolutely. It's okay. Remaining open to the next thing that comes along and knowing that, to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to do it, whether that's a movie in the summertime or whether it's, you know, you know, it's whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you know, to adopt a child and then, uh, you know, go live on a tugboat. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> it's just remain, <laughs> remaining all the, you know, open to all those things is the main thing. So that's good, though. Yeah. But do you have like a dream? Like, do you want to? Is there a movie that you think like, oh, I want to do that movie or, oh, I want to. There's there's a movie that I've been trying to break for the last like two and a half years that I've been telling everybody at this point. And they're just like, OK, well, if you don't make it, then someone else will, because you've yeah. you've you've given everybody a free idea. But um, I mean, the the original idea was I, wa- I, I want to just be in a crime comedy. That's it. Yeah. I just want to, you know, we wrote this idea. I, I, I had this idea where I'm like the son of a triad boss who has to like turn the mob front restaurant into like a queer nightclub. <laughs> I, I, I want, there's something about a crime film that feels very essential to like my upbringing in terms of movies, because it was like a lot of Asian cinema is like deals with like underbelly criminal stuff. And and it, like I don't know, and it would just be fun because it would be th- something that like is stretches like like, like stretches me as a performer, and like it's I don't know if it's expected of me. That's that's but that's honestly the only thing because I it's like I was it's like I was saying earlier like the I've had multiple like moments where I where I've gone oh I could it could just all be taken away from me after this and I would be fine yeah with it like meeting honestly it was like meeting Conan felt like the peak. And then, and then getting the audition, getting the screen test for SNL felt like the peak. It felt like, you know what, if I don't get this, I'll always be able to say that I got to audition in front of Warren Michaels. 
I don't know. I feel like I've I've operated I've operated under this principle of like just just I don't know, just like don't don't plan on it. It's healthy. First of all, I will I tell so. you as someone who's been doing this a while, it's healthy. One of the early lessons that I learned because I saw people whose um, ambition and drive and goal was a thing or a position or a job mm-hmm. and they get it. And then they're, they're, they're still producing uh, a factory, producing all this got to move forward, got to get it, got to, got to, got to stress. Yep. yep. And, and it, it fucks them up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so like early on, I realized the, your goal should be a process. Your goal should just be getting better, you know, and getting better. And, and honestly, a huge one is having more fun. Like, you know, like, uh, because the healthiest way to do this, in my opinion, is for the work stuff as you go on, it matters less and less and less and the yeah. particulars of it. Sure. And, and also too, because, uh, there's a lot of bullshit in show business and there's a lot of phonies and there's a lot of like gross stuff, just gross stuff. So it's, it's the life that you build outside of it that really matters. And then it's the, the way that you can sort of game the system by also have be making money doing this thing. That's fun and that you love doing. And that's kind of easy because it's so much fun I mean, there's right. work involved and there's of course. stress involved, but it's fun. And if you just pursue it as fun and not just, and is it, if it matters less and less as you go on, it, it, that's the best, I think. I think, I think that's it. I, I love that uh, you say that the goal should be a process. And the fun thing is like what, like Kristen said to me, she was like, you know, she was like, this is, you just have to remember this is the most fun job in the world. Yeah. And that, that's her biggest like thematic thing of her that she can sort of like summarize her experience with where it's like, this was fun and you should have fun. And, um, and the thing about working at SNL that I, that I hope people who will work there in the future will will realize is that it's a job where nothing is in your control except yeah. the process, except yes. the work. Um, but everything else after that is not in your control whatsoever. Yeah. And it feels kind of futile, not futile, but it feels like this thing that attaches you to an outcome. If you start to like put, put like specific goal, if your goal is an outcome and not a process, that's yeah. perfect. Um, was there anything, you know, with the, where you are now, you're kind of, you know, you're still sort of like setting out on the journey. Uh, Are are there things that have surprised you? I mean, are there things like, do you tell yourself, are, are there sort of things that you tell yourself that, you you know, as just advice for, to yourself to get along in the, you know, to continue on? Ugh. The only thing that I can think of, I mean, now, honestly, I'm not, I'm, I'm not just saying this, but I feel like the, like the thing that I will remember for a while now is you saying like, you know, goal should be a process. But I, but the, th- but the other thing that's like really stuck with me is um, I think Tony Hale said this in an interview where he was like, where someone was asking him, yo, like, what's your best advice on getting into um, comedy or just like showbiz? Uh, and he said, um, instead of, thinking of investing in a career or thinking in terms of investing in a career by like 
doing this and this and this and this. Like instead you should think of it in terms of investing in a community where you just kind of take care of the people in your circle who are also mm-hmm. trying to do the same thing. Um, he's right. He's right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's what appeals to me about the the whole like late night structure of it with the, in terms of the writing where it's like, oh, it's, it's about like the well-being of the unit. Yes. And I know that it sounds so chummy, but I'm just like, but I, I mean, that's what's sort of seen me through everything so far is that like, I had friends coming up in comedy, whether it was in college or, 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 you know, doing, you know, these little one-off shows I would produce in Brooklyn. Um, we, we've always just like checked in with each other at times yeah. that felt very meaningful. And that's the thing that like has almost nothing to do with comedy. Yeah. Um, but it just has to do with everyone looking out for one another that's 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 it. That's like the big. That's the biggest thing that I've like come away with. Yeah, like I think of. I just think of it as like you're in this group of people who are lucky enough to be funny. You know, I know. like you know, like because so many of us, like it, you don't. It's very hard. There are the occasional people that kind of learn how to be funny and work hard at being funny, and mm-hmm. but then, but most of us were just kind of like you said smart asses in school who were just yeah. doing it because they like, you know, because it like it felt good and because right. you know, just to make people laugh is just one mm-hmm. of the most wonderful feelings in the world and then you get in with a group of them and then you realize like we're all getting paid to do this so we're like, y- you know just the rarefied air that you get to be in it just seems like a crime to be in it for yourself. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And I've honestly gotten myself in such dark mental places by only thinking in terms of, well, what does this mean for, like, what am I getting out of it? Yeah. Like, what is the individualistic thing, like, the framework around this? When, like, it never serves me to think of it in, 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 that, in that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And most of the people, honestly, most of the people that that stuff is really important to are profoundly, they're the most profoundly unhappy people that I know. You know, yeah, so. yeah. Well, but I am such a fan of your work, and I appreciate you so much uh, taking the time to be on the show. And uh, I, w- I look forward to um, seeing your world domination. Uh, oh, Andy, your, your upcoming, you know, chokehold on entertainment and uh, culture. Thank you. I mean this this was a very I was I so looked forward to this and. Um, I mean, you're you've you've really been a really phenomenal presence in my upbringing, comedy wise. So this is really special. That's wonderful to hear. I appreciate it, and I appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, we will be back next week with more three questions. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.
love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.